My name is Eldar Basic, and you are listening to Industry, the world's number one educational podcast on the video game industry. We hope you learned something. This is Insomniac Story. again for listening to industry we are a very small team of video game enthusiasts out of dallas and austin texas my name is eldar basic and this script was written and researched by Derek rogers so right now we are launching our first three episodes of the show the history of nintendo the capcom story and this episode about insomniac in the future we're going to be doing episodes based on just a single video game property or even you know some legendary developers like hideo kojima gabe newell john carmack etc we're going to be launching a Patreon soon, and hopefully a YouTube channel, so you can literally watch these episodes. There are tons of exciting things coming from the industry team, and we can't wait for you to be a part of it. Now, let's go ahead and talk about Insomniac. small beginnings. Perhaps no studio reflects this idea more than Insomnia Games. From the PlayStation 1 all the way to the current PlayStation 4, Insomniac has helped shape each of Sony's platforms in an invaluable manner. All of this while occasionally bringing its signature style and humor to other platforms. From third-person action-adventure games to first-person shooters, Insomniac has a diverse array of characters and weapons that all contribute to one very impressive gaming arsenal. Before we browse this vast catalog, let's go ahead and explore a little bit more of the history of Insomniac. If you've been a gamer since the 1990s, odds are you've played one of Insomniac's many, many system sellers. Believe it or not, it all started with a love of Doom. When Ted Price graduated from Princeton in the early 90s, all he could think about was starting a development company to make games as mind-blowing and fun as the acclaimed Doom. Insomniac was incorporated in February of 1994, and by June of that same year, Ted's friend Al Hastings had come on as Insomniac's chief architect. And so it began. By 1996, Insomniac released its first title, Disruptor, as a PlayStation exclusive. This was all thanks to another legendary player in the gaming industry known as Mark Cerny. At the time, Cerny was the president of Universal Interactive Studios. He then went on to become one of the biggest gaming consultants in video games, and still to this day, through his partnership with Sony. Everyone else had passed on the game Disruptor, but Cerny saw something special in the game, and its development team. He even gave them the advice to develop on the PlayStation platform, and from that, a beautiful platform relationship blossomed into the future. Even though Disruptor received critical acclaim, it only performed moderately in commercial sales. However, with the game and valuable experience under their belts, both Price and Hastings were ready for the next big leap in gaming.
neither Price nor Hastings wanted to do a sequel to Disruptor. They felt the game was too corny and unintentionally funny, and trust me, after having seen the cutscenes for that game, they made the right call. They were searching for a new lighthearted project. That's when Mark Cerny strolled right back into their lives. Cerny came in and suggested that PlayStation could really use a Nintendo-like title, since Nintendo at the time was dominating the family console gaming market. So, Spyro was born. Spyro took the idea of mascot platformers and injected a snarky, whimsical purple dragon into the mix. This combination of platforming, dragons, and a medieval setting proved triumphant in the market, with Spyro launching in 1998 to major critical and commercial success. The only game to outperform it at the time was Crash Bandicoot. The sequel was released just a year after. Three Spyro games and 12 million ship units later, not only was Spyro one of the most established platformers, but Insomniac was emerging as a powerhouse for Sony's flagship platform. Spyro went on to become so revered in gaming culture that two decades later, an entirely different studio fully remastered the entire trilogy and engulfed a new generation in his fantastic flames. Hot off the heels of Spyro's success and following a few internal projects that fell flat, Insomniac needed something new to bring in front of Sony for the PlayStation 2. They decided to utilize the engine from one of their forlorn projects and package something entirely new within it. After much storyboarding and character design, Ratchet & Clank was finally born, a new platformer that would feature a furry alien wielding ludicrous weaponry and jumping from planet to planet with a sassy robot sidekick. This concept had a script full of biting wit to back up the gameplay. Within months, Insomniac had a full build ready to show to Sony. Their demo showed off the Metropolis City level and absolutely floored the executives, and Insomniac finally got their full backing from Sony. Insomniac had another gem on its hands. This was to be an example of what the PS2 could do for gaming, while also evolving the platformer genre in a way that had not yet been done. Gadgets that interacted fully with the environment? Almost unheard of for the time. And boy, did these leaps forward pay dividends. I'm talking money. In 2002, Ratchet & Clank launched on the PlayStation 2 to explosive success, critically and commercially, and financially. The title was so successful, in fact, that by 2005, Insomniac had released four Ratchet & Clank titles, each one with more over-the-top weaponry and writing than the last. By the time the PlayStation 3 was peeking over the horizon, Insomniac was ready to transition themselves and their audience alongside the platform. It was time for a more mature, non-platforming game that would show what Insomniac could do outside of their comfort genre. 
Resistance Fall of Man emerged from that idea. What would it be like to play Starship Troopers? At that moment, Mark Cerny, having clearly not yet influenced the studio enough, walked right into Insomniac and suggested that they set this game during a world war. Resistance would be a first-person shooter set in a 1950s alternate reality where World War II never actually took place due to a looming alien presence. Even though the subject and story were more mature than previous outings, Insomniac lived up to its unique weapon and visual design nonetheless. With alien guns ranging from the auger that could shoot through matter, and the bullseye that could home all shots in on a specific target, Insomniac was arguably at the top of its game. The team's excitement to tackle a new genre pulsated through the gameplay itself. After facing many technical trials, Resistance Fall of Man was ready at the launch of the PlayStation 3, and Insomniac had yet another critical hit. It was again such a grand success that it spawned two sequels. While the second game fumbled the formula a little bit, Resistance 3 went on to be one of the highest rated PlayStation 3 exclusives ever to grace the console. And if you haven't played that yet, go get a PlayStation 3, plug that bad boy in, and experience the post-apocalyptic journey that is Resistance 3. However, times weren't always that great for our dear Insomniac. In 2010, Insomniac began development on a title called Overstrike for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Gamers were excited for a new IP from such a story developer, but knew almost nothing of the title, save for one thing, the knowledge that it would be a four-player, co-op focused game. This is something that Insomniac was also trying with one of its most established IPs, Ratchet & Clank in the title All For One. The four is the number four, in case you were confused about that. While All For One was a moderate success, Overstrike was not so lucky. Not too long after its 2010 announcement, Overstrike debuted its first trailer at E3 2011, generating excitement from fans and critics alike. A colorful, vibrant shooter that had distinct, quirky characters possessing exaggerated physical features and multiple playstyles. Playstyles that could be combined to cause chaos among the enemy ranks. It had that distinct insomniac flair. Overstrike somewhat faded from public knowledge after a little while, especially due to its absence from E3 the following year. A few months went by, and in September, the unthinkable happened. A new trailer dropped, but Overstrike was no more. Now it was Fuse. Fuse featured the same characters, but with more traditional visual style and not exaggerated features. A vibrant color spectrum in place with shades of gray, black, and orange. In a word, it looked a little more bland, and not blended into the backdrop of the current modern shooter at the time, failing to set itself apart from the likes of Call of Duty and the other gray and brown shooters. In an interview with Game Informer, Ted Price noted that this change occurred because the team felt like the teen rating was holding them back. This feeling led to the studio experimenting with more brutal weaponry and a more grounded look and tone. Unfortunately, while this design decision allowed for more impact than weapon gameplay, it also shed what the gaming community perceived as its identity. Players and critics alike did not want another realistic shooter, and it showed in Fuse's sales. After its May 2013 release, Fuse went on to sell only 0.14 million units worldwide, making it Insomniac's lowest-selling and lowest-rated console game 
at the time of this recording. For reference, even Aliens Colonial Marines, which if you guys have heard of that debacle, know that it's one of the most disgraced video games of all time, still sold more than Fuse. Now that's not saying much because video game sales don't equate to quality, but Ted Price would go on to state that Fuse taught the studio to follow their instincts, and that the tough experience of Fuse's reception helped crystallize Insomniac's identity as a game developer. Luckily for the industry, they certainly went on to, you know, reassess their personality and energetic flair with incredible titles like Sunset Overdrive and The Amazing Spider-Man. And cue that Sunset Overdrive music. I know what you're thinking. How can there possibly be more to this already prolific catalog of games? Well, Insomniac never quits when they're down. Instead, they continue to push to see just how far ahead they can get. This constant push led to something brand new for Insomniac, a partnership with Xbox to release an exclusive title, which was a first for the studio, who previously only worked with PlayStation. But only Xbox could offer Insomniac what it wanted, ownership of the IP they constructed. And thus, Sunset Overdrive, was born. Inspired by 1970s Grindhouse and infused with Insomniac's trademark visual style, Sunset Overdrive was set to be one of Xbox's main exclusive for the still new Xbox One. It was a studio's take on zombie survival, but supercharged with neon-hued energy drinks and giant bear mascot blips that hurl incredible profanity. Not only was this the most vibrant and colorful game ever for Insomniac, but it was also their largest game yet between record shooting rifles, tea and teddy bears, and acid sprinklers, the bombastic weapon lineup was one of Insomniac's strongest loadouts to date. This game delivered fun in a way rarely seen in video games. Fast and fluid movement between buildings, telephone wires, and even ships in harbor made the vast world a blast to discover and traverse. The magnitude of Sunset's zaniness could not be restricted to a single console. In that sense, in the late 2018, Insomniac and Blind Squirrel Games brought its magic to PCs everywhere. While Sunset Overdrive did not lead to massive sales, it certainly gave gamers chaos, fun, and the perfect cartoony playground, while re-establishing what made Insomniac a truly special studio. Then came the Juggernaut. Depending on who you ask, this may be the game that Insomniac was always destined to design. Marvel's Spider-Man. After the release of Sunset Overdrive, Ted Price was approached by Sony's Vice President of Product Development and discussions began. At first, Ted Price was apprehensive about taking on a Marvel project, as Insomniac prided itself on development of its own original IP. But then, Marvel and Sony gave Insomniac the freedom to pick any Marvel character they wanted to center a completely original story around. So, the creative team based their choice on what they considered to be the most relatable superhero, and the rest, as they say, is history. 
announced at PlayStation's E3 2016 presentation to thunderous applause, Spider-Man quickly became one of the most anticipated games of all time. Spider-Fans were eager to fill the spandex of their favorite web-headed superhero. Everything seemed perfect, and upon release in 2018, the praise began to flow in from every outlet imaginable. In an era where the last great Spider-Man game was Spider-Man 2 circa 2004, Insomniac managed to create the best iteration ever seen in a video game. As soon as you boot up the game, you are Spider-Man, web-swinging straight through New York City towards Fisk Tower. You can almost feel the suit rippling across your own body as the towering buildings and flocks of pigeons rush past you. No other game has embodied the identity of a superhero this well. Spider-Man ensnares his villains in an intricate web of snarks and quips. He becomes entangled in awkward interactions with his ex- Mary Jane and helps citizens across the city in a manner both empathetic and endearing. It not only nails Spider-Man as a character, but it flawlessly encapsulates its villains. From the brilliant and tortured Dr. Octavius to the unstoppable force that is Rhino, no character is wasted. Simply put, it brings comics to life in the truest sense of the phrase. Spider-Man was so well received at launch that it sold 3.3 million copies wow, in its first weekend, and as a result, became the PS4's fastest selling exclusive. Even with such an amazing journey behind them, I think that Insomniac only has even better offerings to come, and I for one cannot wait to see what world they take us to next. guys power facts time and i have three really interesting just tidbits about insomniac games for you power fact one so believe it or not insomniac's first game disruptor has an unlikely association its real-time movie sequences were directed by katherine hardwick the now famous director of twilight who was also in charge of product design for the game kind of funny power fact two spiral of the dragon was not just thought of on the spot. In fact, the developers based the idea of, you know, of Spyro on Dragonheart, the dragon action-adventure film starring Sean Connery as the voice of Draco the Dragon. Originally, Spyro was to be a darker tale until the studio decided that a more whimsical approach would be a better route for the game. Power Fact 3 Before Ratchet & Clank became a reality, the studio was actually focused on a project, you know, known only as Girl with a Stick which was set to be a hardcore fantasy adventure with mature themes. There is even video of the game in a playable state that you can easily find online. However, the studio ultimately decided that the game was just not fun to play. So it was scrapped, and its engine recycled to make our iconic heroes Ratchet and Clank. Ted Price went on to cite that this game was his first significant failure. So, you know, speaking of Ratchet and Clank, Ratchet was actually originally based on the iconic cartoon villain, Marvin the Martian. I bet you didn't know that. Anyway, that was Power Facts. Again, hoping to keep learning something.
Over the past two decades, Insomniac has created some of the most incredible and well-realized realms ever seen in gaming. And thanks to their absolute dedication to their own creative ownership, they have rarely stumbled. So let Insomniac serve as a shining beacon to other development studios. If every development studio could have this artistic control and passionate dedication, imagine how much more the industry could have already evolved the medium. And so to you, Insomniac, may we as gamers say, thank you. Again, thank you so much for listening to Industry. The script was written by Derek Rogers and recorded and produced by me, Eldar Basic. We are launching a Patreon soon, so be sure to stay tuned for more news on that front. We're also going to be adding video content to YouTube soon, so again, just stay tuned. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Eldar Talks and Derek Rogers at Derek Logic on Twitter. We also recently created our social platforms too. So you can follow Industry at Industry The Show on Twitter and on Instagram, Industry Pod. So to wrap up, I hope you learned something and we'll see you next time here on Industry, the world's leading educational podcast on the video game industry. Take care and welcome to the club. Thank you.